I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I don't like blood Listeners, Matt Gorley here again. Welcome back to week two and part two of Sleepaway Camp. If you're just joining us now, you might want to start with part one, the episode that went so long, nearly four hours, that we had to split it into two parts. Not even our rules. Patreon's file upload size rules. Well, anyway, when we last left off, we had taken a pee break and we we're getting right back into the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. We're back. We did a, truth be told, we did a little Lethal Weapon 2 discussion just well, you know, just a movie talk within a movie discussion. That's right. That's right. The podcast, The Rewatchables, has yeah. recently talked about Lethal Weapon 2. And Gorley, you mentioned that you might be watching that later. Yeah. And now I might be watching it later because we just discovered we both love Lethal Weapon 2 and it's our favorite of the, of the LWs. like yawning or it follows. You just mention it. And the other person, someone has to watch it if you mention it in somebody's presence. Yes. Now, I think we it'd be Lethal Weapon as a franchise. That'd be a fun franchise to eventually talk about someday. I know, I know it's not horror. Well, it has triangular bullets. That feels slashery in some way. You know, I've watched two and three, Lethal Weapons two and three, so much. Mm-hmm. I love the first Lethal Weapon. It's maybe like... Technically, the best oh, I get of it. the I franchise. Get it. Uh, but god damn it, I'll watch two and three a hundred times more than the first or fourth. That's how Rambo is to me. Where, mm. like, I recognize First Blood's a really pretty good movie, but I just. I just feel like two's where it finds its Goldfinger status. It's just sweet spot. Yeah, know? the the Rambo and Lethal Weapon, the first one comparison is also right because they're more gritty. And like, what would this really be like? Yeah. And then they become more fun when they stop getting stressed about what's real. Yeah, who cares what's real? What's us? What's cool? <laughs> um, the um, uh, also that um, 
Does the love interest in Lethal Weapon 2 wear like Riggs's Letterman's jacket or something? I think that's like such a cool look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had such a crush on Patsy Kensett. That's her, that's the actor's name? Yeah. She married Liam Gallagher from Oasis. Really? Not for long. I was going to say, I doubt that. <laughs> you know, those rockers. Yeah. Gosh, I, I sometimes with some rockers, their sets long last longer than their marriages. <laughs> Snake burn. <laughs> Is it? No. I also love the um, late night monologue musician. Is this joke fill in the blank that just exists forever? Uh, Mick Jagger is old. Oh yeah. Madonna is uh, promiscuous. Uh-huh. Um, uh Well, this is, goes beyond musicians, but just like Bill Clinton is fat and horny. <laughs> just those the ease of go tos. That is the yeah. late night monologue joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, now, at the end of the baseball sequence, the softball sequence. Uh, I like they crank up Bill's audio at the end where he goes, we'll get him back, we'll get him back, we'll get him back. He says, like, we'll get him back, like, five times to, like, justify. The whole point of the softball sequence was to explain that one of these could be the killers because they lost money betting on this game. I didn't even... That's so ridiculous that didn't even occur to me. Wait, <laughs> I, so they're... Someone's going to kill Kenny because... Um, um, um... No, that doesn't even make sense. Who? Because who's the next one who dies? Kenny, right? The one who dies in the water? Yeah, and Kenny's the one who lost the bet, so that doesn't even make sense. I think it's just their Why is sweatiness Kenny to constantly killed? have a red herring or a suspect. Yeah. Why is Kenny a... I Why mean, does he get killed? Well, like any movie well, like this... The main person they should kill and have revenge is sometimes the last person yeah. to be killed or never killed. I get that. I'm uh, just wondering, does, does no? But I'm saying it's weird. Like, I know they should be the first. Kill Judy immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Judy's the last person they kill. She killed. kills the supporting players. Yeah, but if but, Angela's killing, does does she ever really have a interaction or a reaction with interaction with? Kenny at the dance Kenny comes up to her that's right and her Sorry. and Mike start teasing her oh, yeah. but who has more of a reason to kill Kenny Ricky Ricky who mm. he just got in a fight you're with winning me over at the canteen and got his hat knocked off I'll tell you what you're winning me over um and what does Kenny say when before he's killed when he's drowned he says wouldn't the other boys be interested in seeing you now why would he say other boys Wait, what? He could mean his friends, who are other boys, but Ricky's a boy. Wait, say that again? Um, when, after Kenny sings, Hey, Baba Rebob. Hey, hey, <laughs> Baba Rebob. You know that song. He sings it, and then Ricky's head <laughs> pops up, and he, or a killer's head pops up, and he goes, Whoa, you, what are you doing here? Well, I bet some of the other fella, other guys... Other fellas would be interested in seeing you. Yeah. And he's talking to... Why would he say that to Angela? Yeah. That is a weird... It's even a weird thing to say to Ricky. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> what's he going to do? Then flip the rowboat, the canoe over his head and be like, See other boys? Yeah. Now they see you. It doesn't make sense. No. But uh, 
your question of why would Angela even kill him precisely, Gorley? I mean, you could say it's because he was teasing her in the yeah, in the canteen. I guess. But she's sort of over in the moon. She said goodnight to Paul and had a nice moment with Paul. So if anything, she's in a good mood. Yeah. I think it's the clumsiness of this movie that the twist is that it's always Angela and they're just want you to think it's Ricky the whole time that yeah. they're giving every kind of piece of red meat to that. It's funny because I never thought it was Ricky maybe because, but Mel is so sure that it's Ricky. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> also, when Kenny dies and the cop comes, the way that Mel is talking to the cop is like a two-bit mentalist, like, and then this is what you saw, <laughs> and then this is what you saw. <laughs> Yeah, because he goes, so you would agree that it was an accident. And he said, I said, we have to wait until it's more conclusive. Yeah, he's like a bad Obi-Wan. Every time my hand gets higher, you're going to have to pee a little bit more. (laughs) Do you think Mel would be a bad Jedi? It was like... (laughs) He's a pretty good Jedi, I think. Yeah, he really tricked him. Uh, 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 We just talked about Jedi again. We love you, Star Wars. <laughs> um, in that dance sequence, uh, just a very uh, little, um, the music that's playing is the music that plays in the end credits. The Angie, you're just what I've been looking for. Oh, that was another layer on top. I'm already like my jaws on the floor. I'm stunned, and then that music slowly starts to creep into my consciousness of wait. This song is written for this as a love song? Into your eyes comes as no surprise. Yeah, it's weird. He's singing to... Who do you think... What character is singing that? Paul? Uh, I guess... I also learned that that's one of three songs written for this movie, but only that one was used. So somewhere there's like some basement tapes. Well, to bring it back to Bruce Springsteen, did Peter Bogdanovich have like Bruce Springsteen write songs for Mask and stuff? Is that right? Yeah. Um, and then the studio didn't want to pay it. And so it's a bunch of Pete Seeger songs or, or something. Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger. And uh, the other Bruce Springsteen music trivia thing um, that Paul Schrader movie, uh, Light of Day. Never seen it. It's Michael J. Fox and um, Joan Jett. Mm, right. Are like rocker brother and That's sisters. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paul Schrader wrote a movie, titled it, his own, came from his mind and heart, Born in the USA. Oh, my God. Then he asked Bruce Springsteen, Can you write a song for my movie called Born in the USA? And they'll sing it. Bruce Springsteen writes it, goes, you know what? I like this song. Can I just use that title too? And Paul Schrader goes, sure, go for it. So Paul Schrader came up with the phrase born in the USA. Oh my God. A guy who wrote like Taxi Driver. Like he could have just written Taxi Driver and uh, dined on that for the rest of his life. Wow. Do you think they brought Pamela Springsteen in to write some some hits for this? (laughs) Yeah, like, could you ask your brother... (laughs) I bet. And then she's like a snot. And she's like, yeah, I'll ask my brother to write a song. And then she goes to like Matt Springsteen. <laughs> she's like, yeah, my brother wrote a song for Sleepaway Camp too. But I'm a CPA. You Don't you mean Bruce? 
Don't, hi, Pam. Don't you mean Bruce? I've never written a song in my life. But you know I love to sing. <laughs> Born in the USA. I'll only do it if it's for a sequel to Sleepaway Camp, my favorite movie. Wait. What? Is Bruce Springsteen and Pamela Springsteen's brother Irvin Gershner? Uh-oh. <laughs> I was in disguise because I had to find a way to work on that film franchise. Did you work on the Sleepaway Camp? Yes, I did. The first one? Yeah, I got Robert Earl Jones in there. Oh, He's through your connection with Darth Vader. The voice of the midichlorians, Robert Earl Jones. Now, I've heard a couple rumors that you guest directed on some scenes here in Sleepaway Camp. I might have. Which were your favorite scenes? <laughs> Mr. Kirster. <laughs> I will tell you, I wrote the best line in the film, and that is... Uh, when Paul goes up to uh, someone and he goes, uh, uh, to Angela, and he says, uh, you know, guess who? And she goes, Ricky. He goes, guess again. And she goes, Boyd Reynolds. And he goes, now you're getting warmer. And he's got his shirt off. And it's just what a <laughs> charismatic line. What a great line. And it really worked. Those two dated and married for years. You you wrote the line, the Burt Reynolds line. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines in the movie. I, me too, and I because I had that in my notes. Long story, but I had to go to Burt to get permission, and of course he let me do it on one condition. Was the condition that I had to put his friend in to play the part, Mel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, was Mel Smokey? Or Bandit? <laughs> he was he was Big Beaver, the trucker on the convoy scene. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, uh, um, that Paul dialogue is, uh, I like it because Angela and Paul rarely get to be happy in this yeah, movie. And so you get a scene of them, just their dynamic when they're loving and kind to it, each other. It is really a good sweet. line. Now you get like Burt Reynolds only gets you half of the way to how charming and cool I am. Getting warmer. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, Paul won me over that part, so I was really sad when he became kind of a, you know, a real... Piece of shit. Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> but yeah, she, he puts his hands around her eyes, and he goes, guess who? And she goes, Ricky. He goes, guess again. Mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds. And he goes, getting warmer. <laughs> and then... It's Paul. I God, and then he... It's my favorite Angelo moment. He takes... Offer, he goes, it's Paul. And then she goes, who are you? It makes me, it makes me happy. Angela's uh, kidding now. She's yeah. having fun at camp. Yeah, I know there's those moments where she gets a smile that all is well. Fleeting. <laughs> Sad. I truly would, as a writer, if I wrote The Exchange, guess who? Burt Reynolds getting warmer. Yeah. I'd be very proud of I, that. I do too. I, I said I, I wrote that in my notes. That's a solid line. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, um, yeah, that's after, uh, I'm, I'm caught up there. That's good. Oh, the, uh, uh, I did like when Ricky walks into the canteen and he's wearing that big hat. Only a hat, only to be worn to get knocked off to initiate a fight. <laughs> That's right. He comes walking in that so confidently with this hat that he's never worn. That kid is confident. Whoever Ricky is, very confident. I think he later became like lead singer of a punk band. That makes sense. You can see it. Those kids that age that are that confident, 
just trouble. Even if they don't mean harm. It's just like, I don't know where, where do and you get that? He's the star of a movie. Yeah. He was getting pumped probably full of a lot of confidence. Oh, I bet. Imagine the next year of school for him. I don't Insufferable. even know think about it. Yeah. Him going, did you guys see Sleepaway Camp? They're like, yeah, we were in it. <laughs> Last summer. No, you were at Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. I was in Sleepaway Camp. Well, we camp. can't see that because it's got nudity. Yeah, our parents aren't going to let us see that. None of the kids in this movie can see this movie. was playing in one theater in Times Square. <laughs> we put it, uh, the, um... Uh... So, oh, oh, right before that um, is the, um, oh, 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 sorry, one thing, um, the, uh, did you notice that, that scene with that guy who's high and he's like oh, yeah. laughing really hard? Yeah. Uh, the actor admitted he was truly high. Oh boy. And it is really funny to see him. Like, I like if you watch that scene, it's when he's going like, Leslie's coming down. He says that. And he starts laughing. He's like, Leslie's coming down. Oh, definitely, ma'am. And he starts laughing. And you can see the other actors in the scene like starting to bust up. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know. This, this does bear a second watch. That was also weird that they couldn't get any, the boys couldn't get any girls to go on a kayak ride. But, if we just wait long enough, I hear Leslie's coming, and everyone knows Leslie will take a kayak ride. At night, and then, yeah, but Leslie's coming down. Okay, we'll wait. <laughs> also, that prank that they pull on Leslie, Kenny, Leslie's a beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah. You are blowing it yeah. so you can make your f- naked friends laugh? Yeah. She came all the way down to ride in a canoe with you? Yeah. She likes you, Kenny. Don't blow this. <sighs> What does she see in you, Kenny? <laughs> Blue oyster culture. <laughs> You're not in the band. You're just wearing this shirt. Um, now, speaking of shirts, <laughs> Judy's Judy I shirt. Know. Pretty amazing. That is confidence. Now, she was in some like short film that was is just called Judy. That's just her character. Like, there's short film spinoffs of this series, too. Did you know about that? Yeah, it seemed like a fan film or something. Yeah, but she's It's her it. only other credit. I think she's good. She could have played other parts. Maybe yeah, she, she's good at to- what she's doing there. I guess. Yeah, my favorite Judy moment, to be honest, is when they're in the cabin and she's picking on Angela and she throws the pillow at her and then quickly realizes, "Oh, I need that back." Oh to my sleep. god, it's so good. Then she goes over and goes, "Give me that." Yeah. Pulls it back from her. You shouldn't have taken that from me. Gravity shouldn't have allowed that to <laughs> fly over in centrifugal force to go into your hands and not mine. <laughs> uh, that is a pretty good. Uh, also, is moment. it that scene where she's like, she's probably queer. That's why she doesn't take showers. Yeah. The logic there of like, if by your logic she's queer. She should be first one in, last one out. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the logic in this movie. The like the sexual politics and logic of this movie just scream Robert Hiltzik or whatever his name is. <laughs> oh, uh, you mean a line as vile as uh, Judy going? She doesn't want to take a shower with us because she doesn't want us to see she has no hair down below. Uh, yeah. That should not be written by anybody. Uh, not, not to mention a 25-year-old man, which is how old Robert Hiltzik was at this time. Grotzik. Grotzik. 
um, the uh, would you wear a shirt that says Matt on it? Maybe I think you could pull it off in a that pink form. Shirt. Like if it's one of those, because those shirts at that time was you'd go to this like store, like a surf shop, or like you'd see these on Venice Beach a lot, and they had all these blank tees and this hot press with those fuzzy letters in Cooper font. Is that the eight years later font that I was talking about I think earlier? So. It's like the font from the show Louis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and those are just everywhere, and you could just get anything spelled out. And most kids were not that inventive, so it would just be their name. <laughs> it does feel like a the act of a very confident kid. Yeah, Judy and Ricky, man, they were made for each other. It's too bad they couldn't work it out. Maybe they did behind the scenes. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, the, the part I was talking about, when they are stepping out after the movie some of the extras that come out are the same extras that come out later I at noticed the end before in the, same the big order, even maybe yes yeah I noticed that too there's one you don't have to watch it again you saw most of the <laughs> shit there's one woman that looks like Adrian Barbeau yes yeah uh, now um, oh 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 so what I was saying before the um, Angela um, the, the scene you mentioned um, the, the Burt Reynolds that comes after the night that they first kiss. And that is one of the hints of the twist ending when you go back and rewatch it. Like when Paul kisses Angela, she's just kind of like, yeah. like uh, and then he says, can I do it again? And she does it. And if you watch it now, you're like, oh, she's reacting like, yeah. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about Paul kissing me right now. It, it's good because it does play the normal way too where yep. you just think like this is just an inexperienced girl that's not comfortable with this and leave, yeah. leave so her it's alone. a perfect movie yeah um, <laughs> yeah oh. wow we were how did this, you right? do that oh my god <laughs> I rest my case <laughs> you I stand corrected sir um, now <laughs> so then we do the uh, 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 oh when Meg uh, confronts Angela after the Burt Reynolds thing yeah. And she shakes her. She just shakes her. I like that Roddy comes over. Roddy, kind-hearted Roddy, stops it, but then he just says to make, now get back to your post. <laughs> He's like, you should be fired. Also, your post? Get back in the gun tower. We've... <laughs> now settle yourself. Get back to the post where you're supposed to be... Uh... I have a, a note about Judy and Meg are... They're not just bullies. They are... Furious. The entire movie, they are furious at Angela. What is driving these girls to be so angry? I've never seen bullies. They're not even really bullies. They're just, they hate her. They hate her, and it's yeah. just like evil. They're evil personified. And it seems to be about fairness for them. It doesn't seem fair <laughs> that Angela doesn't get to do this. She doesn't have to take showers, and she doesn't have to play volleyball. But... If you're kind of ruling the camp, it doesn't... Do you really care about the... When you're king and queen, do you care if the serfs sometimes, occasionally don't have to play volleyball? I know, especially if you're a counselor. Like, she's not even in the same class. It's one thing where Judy could have some, like, peer jealousy, but... Well, and it also seems like Judy is jealous that Angela's talking to Paul, like, at the and, canteen yeah, and the volleyball yeah. game. And then, is it... I don't think... 
Judy doesn't seem to have love in her heart that she has love for Paul. It's no, more Judy just about doesn't like, seem to have love in her heart. <laughs> 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 this character seems to be missing a dimension or two. <laughs> I think every character in Sleepaway Camp is multi-dimensional and uh, nuanced. Paul has he's he's flawed and turns out to be a bad character, but he has some love in his heart. Mm-hmm. Ricky has some love in his heart. Ronnie, lots of love in his heart. Mm-hmm. Judy has no love no, in her no heart. Love so her. I think Paul is just the ball or the object she wants to play with. It's not yeah, like she I really feels just, like I deserve Paul's love and Angela's getting it. Or she's just like, how dare anyone prefer? Uh, you know, Angela over me. I'm, I'm Judy. I, yeah. With me, it's Meg, on, my, I it's don't on the shirt. Like the name's <laughs> on the shirt. What do you, what more do you need? And with Meg, it doesn't make sense. Cause it's not like Angela's trying to date Mel. <laughs> um, oh my God. So then, um, Oh, Oh, that, that scene though, with when Mel is trying to use bad, um, what do you, Jedi mind tricks? Yeah. Uh, I do like, the sheriff's line reading where he goes, Oh no, there weren't any bumps or bruises. Though again, I'm no expert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like he'd been pre programmed to say that by Mel the Mentalist. <laughs> You'll follow everything up with, Though I am no. <laughs> Who did the special effects for this film? Because Kenny's head, it's really impressive. And like you never hear this movie talked about as. Yeah. And the um, arrow at the end that goes through Maelstrick, my friends and I, we would freeze frame it and slow it down because I, I still don't know how it's... I got that. How is it? Well, you can see there's a tiny little wire connected to in the front. So the front piece of the arrow is traveling. You know, and this feels like shady enough of a movie where they're just like, okay, we're going to basically... Throw it hard. <laughs> well, I think they've got a hollow arrow with, and they just kind of like, maybe it's got a little stick on its end and they throw it along the line so it stays on his throat when it hits. But it would hurt your Adam's apple a little bit. And then the thing What's in the, the back, back one? Yeah. is just a piece that's spring-loaded on a hinge that pops up. That's why it's a little crooked, so it's not lined <sighs> up. But the timing is incredible. The I wonder timing how many is good. takes they had to do. That's my guess on it. Yeah, that is probably what they did. But the timing is impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, just, just you imagine, like, if they had to shoot that a few times and Mel's just, like, fuming inside. He's like, I was in Midnight Express. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think now, as far as the effects for the deaths go, maybe one that was left wanting was the bee death? Yeah. Did you know that bees will eat a human's face? Well... This was a time when I was a kid where killer bees were all the rage. They were, this is the zeitgeist words, not me, like killer bees from Africa. And it was just this thing. Have you heard about the killer bees? The killer bees. And it was just this abstract thing. So anytime you saw a bee as a kid, you're like, it's like kids would see ghosts. Basically, like if there was a bee that was slightly bigger or a little more yellow, it'd be like, that's a killer bee. That's a killer bee run. You're, it will kill you. Yes, you're making me flash on this. It was always, if you saw a big bee, it would kill you. Yeah, and it was, killer bees were like, they still were like, they kill in swarms, but to a kid, you're like, you just get stung by a killer bee and they kill you. You die. There's nowhere to run. I'm afraid of Michael Mars. I'm afraid of earthquakes, nuclear wars, and now I got to worry about one bee that could kill me? And apparently they're one component of this whole sex thing I've been hearing about with birds and bees. <laughs> Where's the killer birds? 
And when they have sex with the bees, do they die? Uh, <laughs> but I think just that's just where I bet you in the zeitgeist they're like bees. Let's let's we'll show them. Yeah, because what was that movie? The Swarm. Yeah, the about, Swarm. Oh, that'd yeah. be a good one to do. Um, and then the also the logic too, though that maybe isn't quite on point is the very thin rod <laughs> through the the door handles of the stall yeah. doors. Yeah, and that he's just. I mean, the the effect on the head of the bees is not good, but then when they pan on the arm and there's a bee crawling out yeah. of like a pustule. Yeah. How That's they like got that, that little Cheerio pustule. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also when he's dying, I like him going like, help me, yeah. help me. It's scary. Yeah. I mean, the it's probably the lamest of the deaths. For sure. Um, and that maybe it was exacerbated that he was taking a wicked dump when it happened. <laughs> Uh, the uh, now after the beehive kill is when the climax starts happening because it cuts to Mel going finished. That's all there is to it. Finished, wiped out. Yeah, yeah. That's his little soliloquy. I mean, that's straight out of Shakespeare. He's talking to himself, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Ronnie, you don't know Ronnie's in there yet. Yeah, Ronnie's like off in the background, but it's just on him. Yeah, soliloquy. I mean, it might as well just be Hamlet going like to be or not to be. Do you think the actor who played Mel played Hamlet on stage at some point? No. <laughs> no, I don't. He's like Oliver Reed. He's He seems like he's theatrically trained, but he's actually not. <laughs> he played like, um, who did Ro- Robin Williams play in Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet? Oh, Osric. Like the this grave little, like, digger? No, or, just uh, the like, he was just like a court courtier that like I think he's the one in the big fight at the end where he's like a hit a palpable hit he's just like the play by play announcer of the fencing match between Laertes and Hamlet is he like the guy in airplane who's like hey, Leon's getting larger uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically because he's kind of a comic character yeah that is that guy has the dream role which oh. is in a funny movie where the joke is everybody's playing it dry. Yeah. He gets to be the silly one. Why wasn't that guy huge? He, um, he's part of, uh, the Kentucky fried theater. Like yeah. they loved him. Uh, yeah, I think he died uh, in the eighties, maybe. Perhaps. I, I, I think I had heard that too, but I'm even surprised prior to, and even a little bit after airplane, like he just wasn't everywhere. He's so funny in that movie. Yeah. He should have been like in every sitcom, uh, every series had an episode where he appeared and like was a cut up. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know who I have been thinking is the, has the dream role of dream roles is Burt Lar in Wizard of Oz. Oh, right. He's what every actor, he's better than like Clark Gable or Cary Grant <laughs> because people still watch Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. So he's going to be watched yeah. until Earth is done. And his performance still holds up you could watch Clark Gable and kind of be like, oh, it's sort of hammy and it doesn't. Yeah. Funny is funny. Mm-hmm. And he's funny to everybody. Like, grown-ups still watch The Cowardly Lion. If I, any comic actor could have been Burt Lahr, you'd be, you'd think you're lucky stars every goddamn day. I know. Yeah. He's really funny. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he's uh, really good in that. Oh, so when Mel says finished, wiped out, it always breaks my heart a little bit because that means the movie's almost done. <laughs> Like, whatever he does, I'm like, oh, 
it's over. It's only it's ending. I can't just start this again as soon as it's over. I have to let it sit. Do you have that in any other movies you in movies you like when the scene happens? You're like, oh no, oh, now yeah. it's done. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that every time I watch Force Ten from Navarone. What's the What's the scene? I think it's when they when start forcing ten <laughs> <laughs> against ten's will. <laughs> Uh, I think it's when they're about to, when they're setting the explosions on the dam, because that's the big climax, and you know, it's like, ah, well, here we go. Will they do it this time? Yes, they will. But that means the movie's over. Well, this movie's almost over. I still have a lot of notes, though. Well, yeah, let's hear them. Well, Mel's concern about throwing water balloons that they might take an eye out, have taken an eye out... (laughs) I have never noticed that. It's all the end of the scene is like, get Angela out of those wet clothes. You want to catch a pneumonia? Yeah, in the middle of summer. <laughs> Do you know why Bell's there? Did you see in the background? He's yeah. teaching kids how to bat, but he's not really. He's just standing there, frozen, with a bat. <laughs> the background work in this film is incredible. That's why it's so I think endlessly rewatchable. Yeah, and I could never watch the Sleepaway Camp sequels because I'm like. There's only one weird thing happening in each scene. Yeah, you can't not put twelve that lightning in a bottle again. I'm not interested in those either. <laughs> um, the um, also, I like how that they're playing water balloon fights on the roof, and everybody, the characters in the thing, are going, "It's dangerous! It's dangerous! You shouldn't do that! It's dangerous!" Meanwhile, in real life, they're just having a water balloon fight <laughs> on the roof. <laughs> and throwing them and taking an eye out, and running up and down, catching pneumonia. <laughs> I also learned that the woman that played Angela and I have the same birthday. I saw that on IMDb. Oh, um, what's the actress's name? Uh, Felissa Rose. Yeah, Felissa is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Felissa. The, are we to the brother and sister turning bed memory yet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Um, exactly. It's just interesting that, like, when I say this movie has no art, I'm not saying, like, the director didn't intend some art in here. Because clearly this is not just a memory. It's like an abstraction of a memory where the bed's turning and they're kind of, like, pointing at each other, about to touch each other. Yeah, Peter is pointing at uh, the girl to kind of be like, I am you now. I am... Oh, I did not take that away. It could. It doesn't no, have to be right. that. It could be the other way. It could be something else. I thought it was just like we're going to touch each other because we saw Daddy and his friend doing. It. Yeah, because that right. It happens right after she goes into this flashback when um, Paul they go on the beach and he um, tries to make out with her and yeah, and uh, she has this memory of watching her two daddies in bed and giggling at it and then it goes to them in bed and one's pointing at the other and it is what is it's supposed to be this kind of like oh see I thought it implied that she and her brother got it on in some ways maybe kids could I mean I I wouldn't put anything beneath this movie right right that's why I was saying maybe because this movie is uh, (laughs) a want all kinds of uh, sordid things to happen yeah but the fact that the bed's turning and it's like... That's like the art school. Yeah, but it also just feels like I saw this in, in a movie once, so... I think it's also the only time that there's like studio work because I think mm. it's also when they... 
when they shoot Aunt Martha at the end when during the big reveal and she's got like that cold breath coming out and it's that weird abstract staircase coming down. Oh yeah. Uh it seems like that's all in the same location where Angela's fantasies are happening too. Um, now that's a hint. What? When you rewatch that, you go, "Oh, I see what they were doing there, laying the breadcrumbs." Yeah, that's but true. But as you said, throwing the breadcrumbs, saying it's a path. <laughs> um, the um, there's the yes. No, I go ahead. Oh, oh. Um, after that scene is the um is the capture the flag <laughs> scene uh, where we get a full explanation of the rules for capture the flag. The, I was thinking about it when Paul, okay, first of all, you got to see this capture the flag. There's a full age range of kids here at the camp, including yeah. a toddler. <laughs> I took a video. Watch. I'll narrate. Okay, so this is the end of the scene where he's describing it. Uh-huh. Oh my god, it looks like the girl from The Brood. Yes! Uh, it's candy. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I did another <laughs> video where I tried to get... A close-up, you zapruder this. Yeah, uh, this is more important than the, the Zapruder film. It is. The whole fi- uh, figuring out what's behind this movie. Look is, at how small oh she is. Oh my God. And it just feels like she's chasing around her bigger sister. That's all she knows <laughs> to do. So if you um, want to see, if people want to see it, the scene when um, Judy and, or, or Paul and Angela are having their conversation about him saying, I'm sorry, how I, what I did. And then Judy comes over and seduces Paul. That's when you can see this. It's directly after the counselor's doing the the bunny ears behind right. the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Is so, this also the scene where a counselor says to Meg, you know, you're a real peckerhead. You know that, Meg? That's after um, uh, she throws Angela into the water. And he goes, you're a real yeah. peckerhead. You know that, Meg? And I kept thinking, like, what a weird thing to call. But then, you know, Meg is kind of a peckerhead. <laughs> and he says peckerhead earlier. When he goes and finds Kenny's body God. and he's picking stuff up, he goes, these peckerheads suck. <laughs> this guy really wanted to put peckerhead on the, the map. Um, the, uh, oh, oh, so when Paul does kill Judy, what? When Paul makes out with Judy, he's being a double dog there. Yeah. Because he's not only hurting Angela's, yeah. it's his best friends. Oh, yeah. Paul's Paul's the stealth villain of this film. This is where he takes his descent. Yeah. Is in this Capture the Flag scene when he goes and he makes out with Judy. This is where Paul breaks bad. <laughs> that expression came from this movie. It did. Vic, Vince Gilligan saw this. <laughs> it was like, the way Paul is breaking bad in this scene gives me an idea. About a meth teacher with cancer. <laughs> It's all there. <laughs> Automatically, it writes itself. As soon as you see Paul break bad, you think chemistry <laughs> teacher who cooks meth. Um, the uh, also uh, Ricky's insane idea for how to go and steal the flag, but I mean, also it's like it can't fail. It's foolproof. 
<laughs> this is also where you question if Ricky knows uh, that Angela is a boy or not. I mean, y- you would think he could only know he doesn't know that she's a boy because he's being so careless. He should know why she would be heartbroken about Paul right. and why this would be complicated for her. Yeah, I don't think he's... <laughs> Instead, he's talking about missions yeah. and stuff. You're looking for even the slightest second dimension to this film, and I just, as a friend, I feel like I need to caution you. <laughs> you're, like, you're not going to find You, that. wow, Paul, you really like sleepwake. <laughs> I want you to have this, this extra dimension. There is an extra dimension. It's unintentional, and then there are infinite right. dimensions. Right. But the one that they're, you think the director might have laid there... I am so, so sad to so tell you. so many other things on his mind. It's not there. It's just not there. Uh, oh, oh, speaking of the director, though. <laughs> well, he's got this second dimension. He has a wife, and she plays the girl when uh, Leslie falls into the lake, and Leslie swims away. Leslie isn't Leslie. Oh, it's a different right. woman, and I that's his, that. his wife. Yeah. Uh, so there is a Mrs. Hiltzik. Yeah, and I think they've been married all these years. Like, he can't be all... I mean, Aww. who knows? Somebody loves him. Why are we vilifying this guy? Now, uh, well. when... This is the scene that you were talking about where he calls her a peckerhead. Um, <coughs> when she throws him in the lake. While that's happening, they're cross-cutting with... So, Judy and Meg are confronting Angela. And while that's happening, Mel decides to finally confront Ricky... Do you remember this like Wes Anderson esque composed like shot where Mel and Ricky are in the foreground and in the far back background dead center like in symmetry is Ronnie lifting weights? No, I did not oh, see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sad. It's I a missed beautiful that. shot. It should be like one perfect shot. I uh, bet that was Ronnie going. You gotta let me get one shot in when I'm lifting weights. <laughs> All right, what are we doing tonight? The, the important scene between Ricky and Mel. I, I can't do it. I can't do it, Ronnie. And then he just, he went back there on his own. Ran out there. Yeah. And he's like, what's he doing? Oh, fine. Just let him be. I can't do more than one take. We can't afford it. I love it too if Ronnie, the reason he wants to lift weights on camera isn't because he wants to show off that he's lifting weights. It's people are going to wonder, why does Ronnie have these muscles? We're going to need a scene to show him lifting weights. He's also at one point got a shirt on that says like so-and-so bodybuilding and gym or whatever, workout competition. He reminds me a little bit of the 80s bodybuilder actor uh, Jake Steinfeld. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. Body by Jake. Yeah, and he used to show up in like sitcoms. And uh-huh. like that. Yeah, that's right. He had his own sitcom that was like Jake's Kids or something about like he <laughs> runs a... And the kids are all super buff. <laughs> what? They don't work out. It's genetic. Like, it's like multiplicity. It's like these weird clones of Jake Steinfeld. <laughs> but the the like sort of sweethearted. Oh, that's entirely like a Stallone, Rocky, right? Yeah. Every like muscular meathead was like, now I can be a pussy cat. Yeah, I've proven I'm strong. Now I don't need to wear it on my sleeve. Uh oh, I'm back. <laughs> you thought I was a bodybuilder. Now I'm here. I'm a I'm a cinema builder. That scene is also, it ends with the kids kicking dirt and sand at Angela's, why she kills them later. Okay. Um, uh, oh, and that does end that scene after Angela gets her out of the water, takes her away, and the kids kick dirt at it. He's sitting on her. The last thing he says to her, he says, 
We won't let them get away with this. I promise we won't. Who says that? Ricky says that to Angela. Okay. You have a point with that. I just still feel like... But he said... But Matt, <laughs> he says in that scene... Uh, okay. Now, did you notice that the next scene, the, this is the night, the Wait, final night? I'm sorry. Yeah. The reason I think Ricky's not involved in any of this because this movie wouldn't hide that from you in the end it, it would tell you that in the end it's not it's not wanting you You're to right. take anything away other than yeah. gotcha yeah and you know what I generally in general hate these kinds of things and when somebody has a theory about a movie that the movie didn't put show you yeah um, but this one's special. I understand that. You you need to have this. And I don't want to take it from you. Well, I need it because I can't just believe Angela is entirely bad. <laughs> Ricky was helping her kill, okay? <laughs> but you say you haven't seen the sequel. I wonder if there's any answers. No, I have seen this. Oh, oh, the oh, official the sequel. official sequel. That would be kind of fun to do as a, a like an, a blind commentary where we've never seen you it. You mean blind, drunk commentary? <laughs> yes. It's the only way we could do it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss <laughs> now you got me real curious about those digital effects too oh my god <laughs> what if they finally were like they didn't even get it they were just like well we're not gonna get the money for it so let's just put it out without the effects I bet I bet it might be blood effects too which are really oh boy 2003 that's early digital yikes. blood too yikes uh, so uh, so at the, when, at the end when the um, Ronnie gives Meg the night off so she can go and have a hot date with Mel <laughs> did you notice in that staff meeting one of the counselors is just sitting on a Harley Davidson yes yes and then at the end of the movie in the credits it says special thanks to Harley Davidson like they got some product placement to me I'm gonna read this into it but I think someone there had a Harley Davidson on the set and they're like let's put it in and then they put in special things to Harley Davidson of like, that's what real, real movies seem like when they yeah. do this, you know? We're a real movie too. <laughs> we do piranic placements. And Harley we Davidson's do. like, can you actually take that out? <laughs> <laughs> the director's like, I won't sell out my films, except in two cases. That's Harley Davidson and Topless Onions. Those are the two companies I believe in. Two well, because he's a wild companies. hog. Yeah. So that's why he wants the, the Harley on there. And then uh, he's um, a 
wild onion? Hmm. <laughs> wild onion. Um, the um, Meg says to Mel, "Remember that dinner you promised me at your place?" Oh God! What was the context of that? It again. It implies like he didn't go like, "Hey, sometime I'll give you dinner." It's like she was like, "I don't, I don't, I can't work tomorrow," and he's like. Or no, give me an extra shift. He's like, like somehow she blackmailed a dinner out of him. I don't know where. Yeah, I'm it going. does seem like she's the one because after she comes up, Mel's kind of like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting. This yeah, shirt. Paul, Mel's the victim in this situation. So Meg is this like smooth operator, predator on poor little Mel, defenseless Mel. <laughs> yeah, see, well, sure, uh, I see, she's uh, young enough to be my granddaughter. See, yeah, see, yeah, but what I'm, I'm the penguin. And when I'm quoting uh, my friends saying Miasi, it does make me, when I watch Sleepaway Camp, I also, I, um, um, uh, uh, to this day, continue to be uh, friends with all those friends who I watched mm. it with. Uh, I don't get to see them as often as I'd like, but I do think watching this movie puts me in connection with friends who oh, I really love, I love and it. care about, too. Oh, yeah, I love it. That's like my... To mom a doer <laughs> To like Make sure you don't think I'm too much of a weirdo I like this movie because it reminds me of Good Times with Friends I wish you didn't feel That you had to justify this movie Because you're making A you're making me like it more Okay The only thing I can't do is the The lower dimension Of this film that you think the director put in there Yeah It's the only thing But I I will watch this movie again, and I, I want to watch it with you sometime. We do have to do a commentary. Yes, on this. yes. Yeah. Now it is. It's, yeah. it's necessary. Yeah. It's salt and, and pepper. It's very necessary. What if on a second time I see a second dimension that Robert Heglitz or whatever his name is put in there? I could That's, be wrong. Right. Oh yeah. This also might just be the byproduct of when you watch a movie nearly thirty times, you start seeing dimensions. <laughs> also, there's two killer bees on the plant <gasps> behind you. Oh my, oh my gosh, a kill a bee. A kill. Oh, that's uh, one of my other favorite East Coast accent line reads is Angela when Paul sneaks up on her and she turns around and it's him and she goes, oh, I thought you were the killer. I know, the killer. I thought you were the killer. Oh God. Boy, nice red herring from her though. With. Did, who says that? Angela? Angela. Yeah. Oh. I thought you were the killer. Little does he know I'm the killer. He's the, Yeah. I thought I thought you'd think I was the killer. Uh, what? 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 Nothing. <laughs> um, now, um, I wish I could go on a date with Mel. <laughs> uh, I'll bet you could have. <laughs> uh, now, okay, so I'm at the part where. Meg goes into the cabin with the lover boy poster to take a shower. <laughs> mm-hmm. The line's too long. Also, I love, there are moments where you see, like, when Judy, when Ricky flips her the middle finger in the forest and walks away from her after Paul's left her and Angela's left her, mm-hmm. there is a genuine look of moment of her on Judy's face that I think is very sweet. Yeah. And then when Meg comes in and says to Judy, like, I have a date tonight, there, it's a weird, like, is this how Nazis talk to each other? Are Nazis kind to each other? Because you're right. Like, they're so yeah. evil to Angela constantly. Yeah. No. That when they're like, 
Hi, Judy. She, I think she says Jude's. Yeah, Jude's. I know. Like, I'm waiting in line. Oh, I think there's a bathroom actually open next door. Thanks, Judy. Yeah, like there's a movie that took place in winter where these two live near each other and they're sweet as can be. You don't even know that they're horrible people. <laughs> they take like indoor swimming lessons yeah. together. And especially if they're not the alphas, you know, where when she says, can I jump ahead of you in line? And the three heads just turn around and look at her like, who do you think you are? That was Which, a pretty great shot. Yeah. It's a, one of the few intentionally comic. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's really no intentional humor in this. No. Burt Reynolds line in that maybe. Wow. The, uh, um, also she's a camp counselor and she's Meg. She should just be throwing counselors to the side to get up in the front of the line. I know. And I <laughs> like, and she's Meg. M E G. Maybe you heard the shots. of her spelling her name. Um, and then she goes over and, uh, she gets killed. Um, <laughs> I like that shot of the, not the shot of when she's the face of Ricky, but a door opens and you see the silhouette. This, yeah. And that looks like Ricky as well. I will say. Yes, it does. Not, um, uh, and then we've seen in horror movies with psycho many kills in the shower. Have you seen one with the precision of somebody being able to put the knife through the wall at the exact point that somebody's back is going to be there to get it? No, it's impressive. And do you like the song she's humming? What is, is that? Beba da bop bop? It's close to uh, the... Uh, <laughs> hey, Baba, re-bob. Hey, hey, <laughs> Baba, re-bob. She goes, hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> That song is amazing because, you know, people sing in the shower, especially in movies and TV. But this one is like the implication is I'm singing a happy song because I'm going on a date with the man I love. (laughs) I'll get to kiss Mel tonight. I'll kiss his trout mouth. It will be fun. (laughs) This is the man I'm going to marry. I love him so much. You think you're right. Is it wrong for me to propose tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, when when Mel discovers her body, he's heartbroken as a a lover only could be. Not you, Meg. Uh, Not you, Meg. Not you. And then what does he say after that? He says a line after that I couldn't make out. It was him. I had him and I let him go. Okay. Meaning Ricky. Yeah. If he had, if only he had murdered Ricky in that moment, (laughs) his life would be better because now Meg would be alive, but he'd be in jail for murdering Ricky. I still get the feeling it's less about Meg and more about his business. Yes. Yeah. Meg is just a, his eyes is on the prize of having a successful camp. I'm getting counselor trim left and right. I don't care about this girl that spells her name every time I see her. Um, the so uh, um, I think then we go to Angela says meet me at the waterfront after the social yeah to Paul but and, so so at that point she has a plan like she's like, right quote unquote snapped because but if she's been the killer this whole time, it's more right. We're the audience finally getting to see her. Her, but she did like interior what? state before she goes and kills somebody. But she, okay, so but 
she's now going to kill Paul ostensibly, be, ostensibly because he's kind of a jerk. But I guess we'll get to this when we get to the end. Like, th- there's a lot of logic questions I have that are just not going to be answerable. What? Well, I'll save them. Okay, okay. Because uh, have we we we've passed the part where all the kids go out camping? Um, we're yeah, we're there. Well, I just want to say that one kid that says he wants to go back, that is a hundred percent like a World War Two. Um, new soldier monologue where he's going, Eddie, I'm cold, Eddie. Eddie, I want to go back. Eddie, you seen a picture of my girl, Eddie? Eddie, when I get out of here, I'm going to work at a car lot. Eddie, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to marry that girl, Eddie. Oh my God. To the, to down to the use of the name Eddie. I know. Is like the name of the guy you want to go back to. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, I want to go back. Also, I thought you were going to say that would so be me. If I was oh, camping, I'd be, be like me. the yeah. kid who, when everybody goes to sleep, I'm still awake and I'm asking the counselor, why are we doing this? Can we just, <laughs> can we agree? This is bullshit. I also have a theory. Um, I, I'd go camping as a kid and I didn't like it. And now as a grown up, when grown ups want to go camping, I'm not a wet blanket, but I do have to kind of like summon up the fun in my mind. Okay. I'm going camping with bars. What's that? I like camping, but I'm that way with bars. Bars. Yeah. Well, I wonder if it applies here then, because my theory is like, if you grew up camping as an adult, you don't like to camp. Mm-hmm. But for people who didn't camp when they were kids, when you're an adult, you're like, oh man, I never got to camp. And now, because you have power and agency and authority in your life, camping can be fun. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, it was just really kind of like, I don't have any power in my life ever as a kid. And now you just and have now less I resources. really don't have. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't have TV. I know it's no power plus TV. Power, no TV. Yeah, power was already a problem. Now I have no input or entertainment. Yeah, except think, my parents. I think that's what it is. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but did did you? Oh, so with bars, but it's not like when you were a kid, it was like, oh, I was always getting drugged to bars, oh, and that's I, the crazy thing. Oh God, that's such you a don't like fly. bars, huh? I don't like loud, like, music dance club bars and things like mm-hmm. that. But even the subdued bars can get pretty loud. Yeah, although I, right. I, lo- I do like a mellow, quiet bar where you mm-hmm. can kind of sit and talk. I don't yeah. like any place you can't talk, and I'm not even that, like, conversational or small talky. But if I'm there, I'm hopefully I'm there with close friends, and I want to be able to hear and see them. Yeah, I didn't drink when I was uh, for that long when I was like single so it wouldn't have been like a, well I don't care about conversations I'm going to bars to not talk it's to scream at each other and oh, yeah. try to meet people yeah, I never now definitely it's like what's the point of being intoxicated if you're not going to use it to fuel your talking with people or something like it it just makes for good conversation or something. Yeah. But when I, before I drank, I hated going to bars because it was like, I just sit here and hear people scream (laughs) the whole time. Yeah. And I'm not even getting the fun of being drunk. Yeah. Um, so now when I, if I do go out, they are like quiet places. Yeah, Yeah. Definitely. Um, but, uh, what if, um, you and me post COVID start like running our own, like a roadhouse. I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent. Loud, loud honky talk or we're both the bouncers. We're both the bouncers, but then we take breaks from bouncing 
to play music behind a chicken wire fence and people can throw bottles at and smash on the fence. Yeah, which I don't really get that. Still chunks of flying glass coming out on the other side of that chicken uh, I wire. Know, lots of beer. Uh, it's your own money. You paid for that yeah. beer, dummy. Ha ha. <laughs> Have I told you that's how I feel a little bit about like that Trump came so close to winning in the election and then all the stuff that happened afterwards that like all of what I thought was like the great rhetoric being put out argumentation putting out to put Trump down over the last four years like we were really sticking it to him Uh, now I look back on it it just sounds like <laughs> you think you're depancing me, but you're not doing as good of a job. <laughs> yeah, like we should have gone a million times harder knowing what would happen. And how we weren't really yeah. sticking it. No. Those those Especially punches not in their style. No, they didn't feel people. those little mosquito bites. If we had that roadhouse and we took time to play music, would we cover Hey Bop a Rebop? <laughs> if somebody could find out what the original song Hey Baba Rebob is coming from that he's singing to and what the yes, original song makes. Bebop Alula? Bebop Alula, she's my baby. Oh. But and I don't think so. He I changed th- it so he doesn't get sued. Yeah. Hey Baba Rebob. <laughs> hey Bob. Maybe it's the same song after the Hey Baba Rebob selection is the <laughs> That was the like radio hit of the year that all the kids were singing. Hiltzik's always asking the kids to turn down the music before he calls action on the Baba Rebob song. This is Wolfman Jack with another twin spin two for Tuesday, October. Here you go. You requested it. Hey Baba Rebob by uh, Hummer and the Nonsenses. <laughs> Um, the um, yeah. So when he travels to murder the kids, Eddie, Eddie, I want to go back. Um, then it goes to Judy and Mike. That's the name of it. Pink shirt. Yeah, snobby kid. Judy is just like the perfect. I don't like this word, but b i t c h. Yeah, because they she's playing the the stereotypical version of that. Of that. So it's, it's fair to say this movie certainly would have. Okay. Yeah. When she goes, she's such a that, that when you make out, she goes, it's, do you have to kiss so wet? It's crazy. It's like, I asked you to French kiss me, but it's too French. And then when she wants to leave because he's scared Mel's going to catch him and she goes, you chicken shit. I know. It's, it's sort of like, you make out with me. Not wet. You don't want to? Chicken shit. Take a towel to that tongue and kiss me. God damn it. What is her end game there? Like, she's so mad and forceful. Does she want that to go all the way or she just wants to kiss, but she has a problem with his kissing? I think it might be somebody who has just a tough time being vulnerable, Matt. <laughs> Here you go, looking for more dimensions. And at a time when you, you're required there. to be most vulnerable... When you, when you kiss somebody, it's hard. So you got to put up the tougher exterior and uh, say, do you have to kiss so wet? <laughs> uh, he's too wet. He's too dry. He's just right. The Goldilocks Judy. The Goldilocks kisser. I'll bet Ricky's just moist enough. I'll bet he is. Last year he wasn't. What happened to me? 
What happened to me? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm horrible. Well, should we talk about what happens to Judy? Yeah, because I would like to know. Because they, they do kind of skirt around it. Is it as dark as I just realized? Yeah. Well, if you want to have the explanation, she was suffocated by the pillow. You can say that. Well, I get she's killed in some way by the curling iron, but... Oh, no. It is as bad. I thought this was part of, like, when you were saying, there's stuff we got to talk about this movie. That's one of them, man. She's penetrated by the curling iron? Yeah. I didn't get that because of the angle it's coming at. Also, I don't understand why they take the time to depress the lever to show you it's got that like curling clamp like how is that going to be used in the process that is a weird part of it is the yeah and then but you saw the um burnt blanket that it was on when the curling irons lifted up there's a singe mark on the on the blanket to show that it's still hot no there was a reveal that i was like this is clearly a reveal of some kind but i missed something so what am i missing here well, what am I wanting? They to don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to show it, and they're yeah. trying to like suggest it without showing. It. But it, like the silhouette of the curling iron, and then the hand going up, uh, like. So she's. That's getting inserted. Oh. I feel gross saying. No, this. it's not your fault. <laughs> the movie. The movie did it. Yeah. That is really an extreme thing to put in a movie, isn't it? And that's truly the intention of the movie. Well. When I went on line when Sleepaway Camp, when we were watching it, and I was going to sleepawaycampmovies.com. So, that reliable would be, source. That was, uh, fans would talk about that a lot. I could, was, yeah. How did she really die? And somebody asked Angela, oh. the actress who played Angela, how did Judy die? And she's like, I don't think I can exactly tell you, like, because it's dirty, and I don't... Oh. Uh, I mean, you're probably right, because it does seem like something this movie would do. Yeah. It's it's not... Sh- it, it has a precedent for making bad judgment calls on... I mean, wow. a complaint that has come up previously in the podcast is when the biggest dick in the horror movie gets a soft kill. Yeah. And you're like, oh... That's how they were killed. They, so many more innocent people got it way worse than them. She gets it the worst, yeah, and she's far. the worst person in the movie. So at least it <sighs> delivers in that way, right? Or is there a worse ways to die? That's pretty bad. I'm. I want it does make me think like Jane Krakowski was like, oh wait, uh, what's going to happen here? And also they would they wouldn't know how that was going to be shot too, right? <clears throat> you know. Oh my god. It's a vile movie. <laughs> it sure is. That's why I do think it is just like a list of what are the taboos we can just like Yeah. Uh, go for. Yeah, I think he's just like we're going to shock those kids out of their seats in the yep. movie theater. I got their number. Oh man. So what's the burn mark on the blanket? It's So when she picks it up uh, after the, she's the hand of the killer Angela gets punched then she passes out and then you see a hand go down to pick up the curling 
uh, Judy's curly and I are off the blanket, and you see the singe of where the curly and iron has burnt the blanket. And then that's just to establish that it's still hot, I guess. And then it cuts to the silhouette or the shadow. Okay. Setup. I guess I just, it didn't occur to me that that was the case because of the angle. It's coming down like a stabbing knife. And I thought it was either going in her mouth, but then I knew the pillow was on top of her head or she was going to like stab her in the stomach or it was just a bad movie and they don't know what they're doing. Oh, I but mean, I you're think probably right. they're probably filming in a way so they can have plausible deniability. Yeah. 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 Smart. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they got to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. Cause if they can talk around that, this movie's a G rated. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, so the, um, then we so show, and then that's like right next to that. They butcher like eight year old kids. I, I didn't understand what I was looking at. It's really confusing. And the director regrets that scene. Oh, does he? What a heart of gold. <laughs> He's like, it wasn't necessary. It is like, even on a plot level, so not necessary. No. Cause you're going like, why is this happening? No. It's bad enough that these main kids getting killed are like 14, 13. Yeah. And then the sleeping bag is like all cut up with blood. So it looks like cotton and blood. Yeah. It's really confusing looking. Yeah. And then the counselor throws up. It's just such a vile. I know. <laughs> um, I tried to tell you, Eddie. I wasn't going to make it out of here. Eddie, I knew. I had forethought. Um, Mama. Then this is when the cop pops back in uh, with the fake mustache. Yeah. And the behind-the-scenes story is they shot his scene, he shaved the mustache, they brought him back, and, like, you shaved your mustache. The complete, so funny idiocy of this is it is way more distracting to see a fake mustache than the cop maybe not have yeah, a mustache yeah, again. exactly. 100%. <laughs> Especially that mustache. It just looks like, give me some black construction paper and some scissors. It's like the most groucho costume <laughs> shoppy mustache in the world. It doesn't even match his hair. It's just like black electrical tape. <laughs> it would be like a kid who wants to be like, I want to pretend to be dad. Yeah, and then like yeah. reaches into like a drawer and takes tape out. <laughs> Burt Reynolds, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. Sheriff Nobleham? Though, again, I'm no expert. <laughs> uh, then that's when... Um, and then this is awesome, because this is like Goodfellas. The ending is just like, bam, 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 bam. It's so... Yeah. Just the dominoes start falling. Because uh, then you see <laughs> Mel... This movie is like Goodfellas. Mel beat up. Oh, I like when Ricky is like, I've been in the cabin all night because my stomach hurts. And then he shows up, he's like, I just want some candy. And then he comes out just fistfuls of candy. <laughs> That's the connection to uh, Gremlins. When yeah. Gizmo gets all that, or uh, Stripe. Uh, yeah. Uh, so then Mel sees him. Mel thinks Ricky is the killer. And so he beats him like ape man style. I, 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 it's incredible. His arms like going down. He's like, <laughs> He sort of looks like Jack Nicholson on Wolf. I never saw that. But I'll tell you what, I was like, Mel's phoning it in until that scene. Then, oh, yeah. You did, You thought that actor was... 
Oh. Oh my god. You didn't think he was committed from scene one? Not entirely. Okay. <laughs> um, but he had me by the time he beat him up like an ape. <laughs> and then what about when he goes to the um, the uh, uh, archery range? And he goes, it can't be. It can't be you. <laughs> um, I do love that, it, that trope in horror movies when it's a mysterious killer and you get to see the victims continually going, you? <laughs> Wow, never in a million years would I have guessed. What I want to say before I'm killed is, wow. Impressive. Yeah. yeah. Is, is, it couldn't be that much of a shock. If he was thinking Ricky, it's like Angela's maybe the next. So I when know. he's like sees her and says, it can't be you, I'm like, well, yeah. it's not like it's earnest <laughs> that you're seeing. It's not like you're seeing Huckleberry Hound. Hey, Mel. Um, then we, this is basically it then. This wow. is the the last scene. Now you said you had some well, logistical questions about. Just in general, first of all, I thought for sure that this movie was infamous just because of the ending. I had no idea that it was infamous throughout. I thought it was going to be like a B- like Friday the 13th a B movie but a B level Friday the 13th I thought it was just going to be kind of an ineffectual Friday yeah. the 13th or like Terror Train or something yeah had no idea what I was in for throughout so when it finally gets to the end like I said I was expecting something else so I was surprised mm-hmm. but I just where do we start because when I see those two kids Angela looks older to me than Peter but by the time you see that it's Peter who is this killer, there's so clearly an adult na- naked man's body there, which I understand because, I mean, I wouldn't put it past this movie, but they couldn't get an underage person to do male nudity. So they needed to get someone who would developed and that's probably the youngest looking person they could get. Right. But it's so weird because I'm just looking at Angela's face on a man who's nude, but it's also partially fake because of the face and it, and the knife. It does look like I'm at the Natural History Museum and there's two Neanderthals just standing there. Yes. And then the the strange noise I can't place and then the fact that it goes to negative green and freezes and then the Angela music comes on and I just it's just so much rolling through my brain in a way I didn't expect, but somehow was prepared to be shocked, but not like that. Yeah, it that was, has to be even more, maybe not even more, but just a particular type of shocking. Yeah. That you were expecting a shock and then you got a different one in a different way is like, would be yeah. a little unsettling, I think. Yeah, and this movie's obviously going for like, I'm going to shock you because society at large is sort of prudish, so I'm going to shock you sexually, like, luridly. I wasn't shocked that way, because it's 2021, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's not, oh my God, a naked man, or or mm-hmm. this is, you know, Peter, when it, when you think it's Angela, it's, it's just, I'm shocked by the choice this movie made. In, and the eight choices that appear at the same time, split seconds apart, yeah. like you said, falling like dominoes, and in the end, I'm just shell shocked. Yeah, that that's a great description, especially at the yes when it goes to that green tint. <laughs> it is just like you didn't think this was bananas enough, and and that's where you're ending. 
And you're just giving us Ronnie's line of, she's a boy. Yeah, and there's so many kind of like uncanny things. Like the the face is a mask, but you're hearing like, breathe. it's like Darth Vader, where the breathing doesn't really match the face you're seeing. So you're, that's kind of a weird thing you're trying to make sense of. Another thing that's like really cool about this sequence is when they're going up on Angela's back and Paul's like naked with her and she's like they're both naked. If you look behind them, you see a guy underneath by the docks, underneath kind of like a a wood paneling. You see somebody come up and down. And my friends and I's theory always was was that's the guy who's going to have to put on the mask and be Angela. We were just like, oh, he's down there yeah. while they're shooting this scene, preparing. And the actors did say that it was a young man who got really drunk, drunk right. and then put on the mask and was naked in cold, cold night air. Oh. Uh, and then we haven't even talked about the fact that that it's good enough for this movie and this director that because Peter had another gender forced on him to become Angela, that that's enough to make him a killer. <laughs> and that that, for the director, was just good enough. Yeah. Not- yeah. Well, any, yeah, when somebody, right, 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 the, the explanations for somebody's bloodlust is any kind of, like, wrapped up in any person's sexuality it's bad it's complicated yeah and the fact that the kids see their dad having a gay love affair is what warps them in some way too yeah and the weird part that that other girl's name should be Angela but Aunt Martha goes you're like an angel oh angel I'll call you Angela this weird kind of like uh they don't and and she goes and I already have a boy Ricky and that just wouldn't do having two boys the more of the logic should be she's disap- if she was going to get one or the other she would wishes she got the girl mm-hmm. she's upset that Peter survived and the girl didn't or yeah. something or if she was going to have to adopt one she wishes it was the girl she's, she's going to that also isn't part of any kind of explanation. It's no. just kind of, she just does this. <laughs> no, I know. She says something about her husband will want a girl or... Yeah, she goes, um, I've always wanted a girl and since we have Ricky's a boy, uh, having two boys just wouldn't do. All right. But she does... I wish I could remember it. I think that's maybe why I was thinking a little bit that one of the guys was her ex because I think she does mention an ex. But it would be weird if it was the dad, right? Right, because then that would be her kid. So it must be the her, other guy? Yeah, and is that guy her brother? Like, Yes. Yeah, I think... She's getting... Yes, of course. They're probably the, having cousins, an affair, yeah. Fair, yeah. the two men who are related by marriage I mean that's the best I can figure Uh, but then there's just on top of all of that the visual tableau and how how Angela doesn't move and the museum thing is perfectly (laughs) right on it does look like it's like 
early people had tools for. <laughs> how her hair gets like wild and untamed. Uh, yeah, she that's gets part untamed. of it. Yeah, yeah. And then the long face, the screaming face, and the artificial feel of it, and the the shock pause. Like we can't have movement because you're gonna need to take this in, right? And then I think the last shot goes back to her face, right? It's her face doing the mask. Yeah. And that, the difference between the two is weird, too, because they keep cutting back and forth between her reaction and then the mask on the body. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this movie is bonkers that the two characters who have this discovery are these kind of like two side characters too. It's not like the revelation of anybody yeah, who would really right. give a shit. Like Ricky is it's not Ricky. A, that's crazy. <laughs> it's Ronnie and who? Susan, the complaint Susan, the department. Sweet one. Yeah. Oh my God. Or it's was, not even a cop who is like somehow established as the mystery solver yeah. or something, or the, the outside person who's going to come in and be like, what? It's just yeah. Ronnie. <laughs> was this rated R or was it unrated? Was it even rated? Um, I didn't see even a motion picture. No. Yeah, it must not have been because I also feel like... It came I, in a brown paper Yeah. Bag. Oh, man. Wow. And then I saw the, the, uh, the new thing I found out was that this, even though it's always in my mind a 1983 movie... It like came out late '83 and then was released in Los Angeles like in '84. Oh, so that's also like, oh well, if we wanted just to somehow put a not a button on it or whatever, but like, it is interesting if you think about this in terms of like slasher history. '83 was the one year that a Friday Thirteenth didn't come out. Uh-huh. It, it was just a gap between parts two and three, and it does. And, you know, there was no, it was the year after Halloween three mm. when if you're like, oh, Michael Myers didn't come back. It's like, are slasher movies dead? And then the final chapter, Friday 13th is the year after. It does feel like it's hitting the skids a little bit yeah. at this point. And I'd have to guess like a particular bonkers slasher movie like this and with this weird left turn can only happen when a genre has sort of exhausted itself. And yeah. Like, and yet Terra Train flirted with this idea in a sense. Right. Just with the, you know, like dressing as a magician's assistant and stuff and how that's prurient enough for it to right. be the the killer's kind of twisted trait of some kind. You know? Yeah. It's, and then um, with the, the other movie comparison is like uh, The Crying Game then like nine years yeah. after Sleepaway Camp this is, it's like a big plot development is this person who they thought was a girl is actually a man um, uh, and I know Robert Hiltzik has claimed Crying Game ripped him off <laughs> but as far as like twists go it is kind of a great twist because it is yeah. like um, well you never would have seen it coming in the day no. Never. Because it's a girl playing the girl. They're not even trying to do the trick within the movie. Yeah, but also what's crazy just is, is filmmaking. If Unless I have this wrong, you don't get a full sense it's 
Angela until they show you the full body, right? Right. So what you need first is really a reveal on Angela's face. Then you see that it's Peter. Yeah. Peter. <laughs> yeah. But also, <laughs> what's the implication of meet me on the beach and... and when she says meet me at the waterfront after the social? Yeah, but, but that Angela's killed him, but she's also nude. Like, has she had sex with him? Like, I, why is she suddenly... Okay yeah, because she says, he says, what about our clothes? And she says, take your, she says, let's get on the water. He goes, what about our clothes? And she goes, take your clothes off. And then he takes them off. So it seems more like a way to get him vulnerable. But it's weird. She cuts off his head. And we don't, yeah, yeah. And because she's so animalistic in that moment, like she seems more like a animal who's like, <sighs> it's like she gnawed his head off or something like it. I don't think ever about the you're asking a question about a thing I don't think about which is like what goes down when that happens it's like she got his clothes off she had him lay down and then she took out a knife and like sawed his head off while he was laying on her lap and then kept the head there until somebody came along so it could roll off when they appear and then blow dried her hair out <laughs> she went got a blowout <laughs> came back um yeah, it's a, uh, the thing you said a few moments ago about, you knew the ending was bonkers, but you didn't know the whole movie was bonkers. <laughs> I do think that's like why this is kind of like a, a perfect midnight movie cult movie is because some of them, they're not bonkers the whole way through. You kind of watch a movie and you're like, oh, there's parts that were weird, but this is just like, if you're going to watch a movie with a group of people. Yeah. There's just like an endless supply of... No kidding. Insane shit. And it's a tight hour 25. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's with the 18-minute baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. It's, it is the... Uh, I think it's like 78 minutes. It has to be allowed to be able to be released in theaters and have the MPAA release it as a movie. Oh, really? So it, it squeaked by. When I go and see those spoof movies... The credits will have like double. It's like a kid trying to get a term paper yeah. to meet the page <laughs> limit. It'll be like double spaced credits going extra slow. I, I want to do that thing you said about the who, what, why, where, when. And yes. How. So who, I think responsible for this would have to be, what's his name? Robert. Hiltzik. 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 When, 1983. Mm -hmm. Where, New Jersey, right? Yeah. His camp. Yeah. His stomping grounds. Why? That we may never know. I think we could know the how. He got $50,000 from a number of people. <laughs> but the why is something we'll never know. Well, and it's awesome because the why is kind of like the great why of all like movie making. Which is sort <laughs> of is. like when somebody makes a movie and the why is kind of like, did they do this because they thought it was successful? Like, he's like, oh, horror movies. They make their return. Why? The why is because I want to make a movie. I want it to be successful and make its return. I'll make a horror movie. Yeah. But then the why of like the guts of the movie is like It seems like, the like why. He, he is going like, yeah, I want to make a horror movie because they're successful, but let me show you how they really should be done. I think I, I, think I, I got this. <laughs> oh, like Stanley Kubrick when he made The Shiny. Basically, like, I'm going to yeah. make the ultimate horror yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> 
Wow. So uh, best kill for you? Um, ooh. I was debating. I, I, what's yours? I think it's less the kill, but more the effect. Kenny. I just, that head was, impressed me. Just the snake and everything. I was really thrown by how decent that looked. Yeah. Because the Paul death is just so wrapped up in the ending, but that doesn't seem fair. Yeah. That's not really the kill. It's all, all the stuff around it yeah, that I'm that's responding how I feel. to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Kenny's the best death. Um, and also the one that, like, is plausible. Oh, it's a drowning at a camp, too, yeah. Jason. Maybe there's going to be a future series of Kenny coming back. Oh, my God. Go, Kenny's a good killer. Oh, that's already from Terror Trade. Ah, that's right. Kenny's. Oh, this is his origin story. <laughs> yeah, you uh, watch Sleepaway Camp first and then watch yeah. Terror Train to understand why. Um, but, yeah. Kenny's good. And then the whole, like, lead up to it and the Hey Baba Reba, <laughs> all, all the parts of it. Wait, I have a question. What do you think, because this movie ends on a, basically on a cliffhanger, what happens in the next five minutes after this movie freezes? Like, does Ronnie really, try to... What does what happens to Ricky? Like, does Ronnie go... Like, I want to see how Ricky registers that information. <laughs> that... Angela's Peter. Yeah. Um, so that's in my five minutes that happens. But like, well, Ronnie's a strong guy. So maybe he'd go into bouncer mode where he just rushes and pulls the knife from Angela's hand and then like yeah. tackles her. Yeah. Tackles Peter. Um, like, do, yeah. Do they subdue Peter or does Peter just run off into the wilderness to be the wild child he now has become? I hope that should be returned to sleepaway camp. That should be the sequel. Is like Peter's the, just been out there all this time. And naked. It's yeah. just like running around like wild child of France. Yeah. Naked. Yeah. That's good. It's also follows I'm realizing because we just mentioned Jason and stuff it follows the rules of like the slasher of the like bullied kid the kid who has trauma yeah and then that trauma ends up becoming yeah yeah why they murder (laughs) (laughs) well let's give these uh, let's give this a rating okay I'll, I'll recap us here drag me to hell I gave an 8.5. You've gave a 9. People Under the Stairs, 5.5 for me, 7.5 for you. Terror Train, double tens. Body Double, 7 for me, 11 for you. Gremlins, 11.5 for me, 13 for you. The Brood, 11 for me, 10.5 for you. And now we're on to Sleepaway Camp. (laughs) And how many movies do we have left now? Three. Three. Yeah. We got to start talking about what our next series will be. Oh, boy. I know. It's just something to think about. Yes. I will say you've you've charmed me on this movie a little bit. Because I think you could understand I had some initial shock. Culture shock, too. Yeah. And I created the space for you to dislike it, too. And I chose this movie, by the way. That's right. This was my choice. Well, and the reason I didn't choose it sometimes I wouldn't choose it for the commentary when people were asking for it even though I loved it was it was daunting yeah because I felt like I didn't 
there was a lot to talk about. Right. I think and it needs if to be. I'm looking at it, Gorley, is this our new record for longest? What is because Halloween five is Halloween understandably. Five was three hours and forty five minutes. I don't. Is this think what happens so. when we watch some of the most uh, like, objectively uh, bad <laughs> movies? We talk about them longer. We really we, should do the room at some point. Yeah. For five I don't hours. think we've got this beat. Have yeah, we? Because we started at ten thirty. Yeah. And it's two thirty now. So we're about three hours in. We're four oh, hours. Oh what? Because we started at like ten forty-five, and it's so we're close. Well, it'll be interesting to see because we always talk a little bit, then we we talk a little bit during the breaks too. We don't like just come mm-hmm. right back, so it'll be close. I mean, it's a worthy something needs to be Halloween five, <laughs> and if it's not Halloween one, then Hollow yeah. Sleepaway Camp, Hollow Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> I think, I think I'm gonna go with eight out of thirteen on the understanding that further watches will probably bump that up That's because I, I won't be quite as taken aback by some of the like dis- discomforting yes. things. But yeah. yeah. What about you? Tasteful. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, uh, 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 do your heart. I'm going to say 11 and a half. I love it. Okay. Thank you for saying do your heart. Do you be a doer? <laughs> that, uh, somebody said that to Cameron Crowe. Do your heart. Because he married one of the ladies from Oh, yeah. (laughs) The your made it confusing because it's not his band, but it was like, do your favorite member of the heart. Oh, I'll do her. Hey, it's towards the end of the episode. I can get a little ribald. You can, man. Especially Uh, on this episode. Okay, so there's three numbers left, Gorley. We've got Motel Hell, American Werewolf in London, and Scanners. Yeah. What are the numbers? The numbers are one, six, and ten. I'm gonna go six. Six is Motel Hell. Oh wow! Okay. All right, it's I've seven. never seen it. Me either. So this is like a, 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 a for me a, like a, a whiplash to go from a movie Sleepaway Camp I've seen so much. Yeah, but for you, it's. Two taps on the brakes. Two taps on two double blinds. Man, I don't know what I'm in for here. I always think I mentioned this. I always thought it was Natalie from Facts of Life in this movie. It's not. Oh. Wait, what is the Natalie in Facts of Life? Why? Because she's She the... just looks like the woman in this, but it's certainly not. <laughs> uh, well, you do. When I was growing up, I thought the Facts of Life girls lived in my town, and I'd, we'd drive by a house, and I'd go, that's where they live in my mind. Oh. Uh, which now I think about like kids who grew up in Los Angeles. That's oh, yeah. even more confusing. You're like, wait, Dexter's on my TV and in my Starbucks? <laughs> a man and I were watching The Bodyguard last night. Ooh, fun. And the house that Whitney Houston lives in is the house from The Godfather. The, uh, t- the Lake Tahoe one? No, the big Beverly Hills mansion. It's Waltz's mansion. The, the horse, horse head. head? Yeah. Wow. Also, they go to a bar and dance. That's my local bar in Long Beach that I used to go to called Joe Jost's. That used to be a speakeasy, and they have these unbelievable sandwiches, just like a beer bar with a little pool hall. And I I didn't even read up on that. I was like, that looks like Joe Jost's. Uh, and then it was. Yeah. What's the sandwich that you like? Oh, it's called a Joe's Special, and it's just like... Um, a hot dog split down the middle with a triangular long pickle put in, 
mustard and cheese, Swiss cheese on, I think, I can't remember if it's rye bread and just mm. like fold it up. And then you get, they'll get a big piece of wax paper, put those pretzel sticks in it, throw a bunch of pepper on it and put a pickled egg in there, ball it up in the wax, shake it up. And then that, and you have that in a beer, those two things. In oh a my beer. gosh. It's delicious. That sounds said, great. Yeah. And Joe Joe's, I think they shot, oh, never mind. I don't know. What? what? I can't remember. I thought. Well, the bodyguard uh, we talked about last week, how um, I was saying the brood had a really scary moment where somebody on the other end of the phone starts saying scary things. Yeah. And I was like, that's a thing that doesn't exist in movies anymore. Yeah. Bodyguard, I remember, I haven't watched it since college. The thing I most remember from it, there's a really scary scene where the stalker on the phone starts going like, hey, hey, or something like that. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Oh, God. Because we fell asleep. But. <laughs> Like, Much like Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston in that movie, they go to sleep too. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, t- with each other. Yeah. Two gorgeous looking people. I know. On screen, yeah. being in love with it, falling in love. There's this great um, Ringer podcast called 60 Songs That Made the 90s, I forget, but Rob oh. Harvilla, the music critic, does this and he does these amazing like 20 minute intro pieces and then we'll talk to somebody and then play the song. And so the latest episode was I Will Always Love You. Mm. And he just, it's just really, we were listening on the way back from Amanda and I were on a drive and we got home. I'm like, we should watch the yeah. bodyguard. Yeah. Um, they're doing a, uh, not that this will matter in two weeks, but they're doing a, a drive-in theater at the Greek. Of the bodyguard? Of the bodyguard. Oh, I my thought God. maybe that's why you were watching it because you saw. Oh, no. Oh, they're showing it. Oh, well, let's just watch it now. Oh, you'll also like this too. The first time Amanda and I, I think, or one of the first times we ever went out of town, 10 years ago, we went to this place in, it's either in Carmel or Big Sur, I think it's in Carmel, called the Fireplace Inn. And each room has a little fireplace. But each room also has a tiny TV VCR combo set. And in the lobby, when you check into this little like podunk hotel, um, they just have a small dresser of VHS films you can check out. And so we got the bodyguard and overboard to watch Ugh. in this like fireplace in a hotel, these so, tiny little rooms. Overboard is a big cozy movie yeah. for Leslie and I. We, yeah. It's really a very cozy movie, even though, holy moly, it's diabolical what Kurt Russell is doing to Goldie Hawn in that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember. Uh, yeah. It's up there with Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> yeah, what was that movie? Sleep Weekend? I don't know. Mm. Forget it. But should watch it again. Maybe now we've beat our record. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, if Sleep Away Camp is the thing, then that's fine by me. I think it's that's, fair. That's good. Yeah. Uh, well, this was so much fun, and I'm excited to... Um, check in. Oh, oh, uh, check into Motel Hell. Oh, just as long as we're adding uh, water to the soup here to get it to fill the big... Artie's big pot of corn uh, mixed metaphors uh, you probably saw when you the bodyguard when the credits were going up but uh, Larry uh, Larry Kasdan's yeah. first script and it was like his calling card was the bodyguard for the longest time wait so this movie existed prior to like all the his other movies uh, it was either yeah, I think he wrote oh. it pre-Empire, pre-Raiders oh of the Lost Ark. And everybody was like, the bodyguard was going to get made for like years with like Steve McQueen and Diana Ross. And then uh, that's partly why people think 
Kevin Costner as like a Steve McQueen kind of dude because oh, he's being Steve God. McQueen in the movie. But when you watch it, you're just like, oh man, uh, Larry Kasdan is like the shit because yeah. like, that's a pretty perfect idea for a movie is like the bodyguard has to protect a superstar and they fall in love. There's that's so much. so 70s or 60s when you think of it. Yes, like, yes. Absolutely Steve McQueen and Diana Ross. I could even see Frank Sinatra playing this role. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that's pretty cool. I also learned that Costner heard Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You and said, like, they're already making the movie, I believe, and he, he said, you should record this song and we'll do it for the movie. Yeah. It's so cool because... Or he heard, sorry, he heard Linda Ronstadt's version of it. Oh, yeah. but then Dolly did the... Well, Dolly did the original. But I think it's been covered a I bunch. See. There's even a cover of it in the movie that's not Whitney Houston. They're dancing to it at Joe Jost's. That's right, yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was at Joe Jost that scene. But uh, uh, good thing it was that Linda Ronstadt song instead of like, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Well, maybe not. That was pretty good. <laughs> it's so easy to fall in love. Uh, there was some other song that I was singing. To, oh. Because she... I like Linda Ronstadt, but she kind of like drained some of the <laughs> grit and passion of the original works because uh, I love that song. Um, uh, Just one look. And I was like, listen to Linda Ronstadt version, it's good, but it's so like, mom's taking us to the mall. <laughs> <laughs> yep, which is probably why I have such a soft spot for it. We, our Townland album, that's Townland. Our Townland album that's coming out, we do a cover of Long, Long Time by River Lonstadt. <laughs> Am I done talking yet? I, you know, like an hour ago, my mouth already started oh falling God, apart. I can't speak. Oh, we uh, should let them well, go. Well, let's put on some Linda Ronstadt and watch a Lethal Weapon 2. Sounds good, buddy. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash withgorleyandrust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com, and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.